Praise the Lord. Well, I'll tell you, this has been an exciting week, hasn't it? Since we last saw you, it flooded again. So we learned how to do it twice. Uh, you know, and this time it was just a drip in the faucet. But uh, we dripped the faucet on Wednesday night. Remember how cold it was? We dripped the faucets. And that was not a good idea because it was really the drain that was the problem, a serious problem. So finally, after the second flood, we got the plumber. I don't like those early calls. You know, last week it was 7 in the morning, and this week it was 8.30 when Heather arrived. There was water uh, Thursday morning standing. And this morning the phone rang at 7, and I thought, I'm not answering it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But it was just my sister calling. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> I said to Bill, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. <laughs> But, you know, God always comes through for us, and so the carpets have been cleaned. You are, you are walking on clean carpet, praise Jesus, and I had requested that for Christmas. I just didn't know that we were going to get it done like that. Next time I'll be more specific in my prayers. Hallelujah. Everybody say, help from heaven. This is the last of this series, but uh, today we're going to talk about God's peace. And, uh, you know, we've certainly had an opportunity this week to experience uh, living in peace, but you know, what we experienced is nothing compared to what the world is experiencing. So let's go to uh, Psalm 121, and we'll look at both Psalm 21, 121 and Isaiah 9-6, and then I feel like God has a word for us concerning peace. Uh, if you'll put that up for me, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow... My foot to be moved, he who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And I love this next part. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade at my right hand. You know, sometimes I put myself in because it means that I'm really making it personal to my life. The sun shall not strike me by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions, and that's what we're going to talk about today, where peace resides, not just in your spirit, but in your everyday life. The Lord shall preserve me in my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And then in uh, Isaiah, this is the scripture where Isaiah prophesied, it's Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, where he prophesied about Jesus. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Aren't you glad the government is of your life is not upon the president of the United States? This one or the next one or whoever it is. Uh, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the part of the scripture where we've been really studying the last three weeks. Of the increase, everybody say increase, of his government, which is a right to rule, and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal meaning the passion of God, the desire of God for what he did through Jesus to be performed in the earth. In other words, all things are possible with God. That's what happened when Jesus came. Help from heaven came and all things became possible to us who believe. Everybody say, who believe. And uh, I, we were walking into uh, the mall 
the night before last on Friday night, and uh, my husband was commenting about how a poor the businesses were doing at Christmas because nobody was shopping on Friday night at 9 o'clock. He said, they're, I mean, this is, they're in serious trouble. And so we proceed to walk through Macy's to go get in our car. He walks outside and nearly falls into the street. That's the reason nobody was in there was because there was an ice storm. You know, uh, <laughs> I had to laugh. But as you walk into Macy's, there's a big sign that says, believe. Everybody say believe. Now, they don't know they're talking about Jesus. I don't think that's the promotion. But <clears throat> it, it, I just, I loved it. It was up, hanging up, and I thought, you know, that needs to be in front of all Christians' eyes all the time. Just believe, you know, just believe. And uh, so God today, you know, we, we're going to talk about peace, but we've talked about him as Jehovah Sitkanu, who's the warrior, the God of battles, uh, that he helps us fight all battles. Uh, with him, nothing is impossible. We talked about him as El Shaddai last week. The week before, we talked about him as the God who gives increase, or Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides all that we need. And today is Jehovah Shalom. Everybody say Shalom. And uh, I, this is um, just for me because I've been to Israel, and that's a greeting in Israel to say hello and goodbye. Uh, so it's Shalom when you come in, and it's Shalom when you leave. It does say he'll preserve, preserve us in our going out and our coming in. And so that word shalom is peace, the God of peace. And uh, in Luke, you know, when the angels came to prophesy or to share about Jesus, actually for the fulfillment of the prophecy, it says in verse 8 of Luke 2, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there were, was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Everybody say peace. A proclamation of what the earth would be like because Christ had come. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in Isaiah, which we just read, it said, And of the increase of his government, his right to rule, and peace. Everybody say and peace. There will be no end. And uh, I believe that the gospel of peace, if you read in Romans 10, after it, it shares about salvation and how, you know, through the confession we make of believing in Jesus, that we will be saved. And then it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. And some translations, the gospel of peace. Everybody say peace. And I was thinking as Kelly was sharing, you know, in those stores right now, in situations, it's not the most peaceful environment as far as what's going on around us. But when I was in Israel, uh, I learned what that peace means like nowhere else ever that I have been. And it was really, uh, became real to me that the peace that, that the kingdom of God brings is 
is not the peace that we are looking for in the world. It's a peace that passes our understanding. You know, it says that in Philippians 4. It talks about how we're to rejoice in all things and then make all our prayers and supplications known to God, all of our desires, all our wants, all the needs we see, make those known to God uh, with thanksgiving, with that always being thankful that God's going to do it. But then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And, uh, you know, I think uh, more than just our heart as far as, you know, that the Holy Spirit's in us. So the peace of God is deposited in us. But our minds uh, then take over in situations. And if our mind isn't peaceful, then nothing else is going to be peaceful around us. And uh, as I've experienced some of the things in my life, there's a scripture in John 14, 27. It says, peace I leave with you. When Jesus was about to be crucified, he said, my peace I give to you. And that's the peace that is different than everything being all right. I remember there was a movie, um, and it was uh, oh Jennifer... Uh, she's in it, she's going to be Miss America. And everybody in the whole, all the contestants, their their message is, we want world peace. Everybody say, don't look for it, because <laughs> it ain't going to happen. In fact, the word of God says it's only going to get more unpeaceful in the world. But Jesus said, all that persecution that's in the world in John 16, he says, I've overcome the world, so be at peace. I mean, I'm paraphrasing it, but that's what he says. Now, when I was in, in Jerusalem, and, uh, you know, we were coming up out of a tunnel. We went way, 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 way down in the city. And when I think back on all of that, I think I would have never gone down there if they'd have told me what was going to happen. It was real narrow. Sometimes you had to turn sideways to get between the walls. There was no way out except forward. <laughs> and you couldn't see anything. And so we're all in this line, and we had a girl who was very claustrophobic. Well, we were all trying to help her that I forgot I was claustrophobic. Uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't anymore. I mean, I was just, there was so much peace when I was there. It was, it surpassed my understanding. I never had a fear. The guns on the soldiers didn't bother me. Nothing bothered me. When we came up out of that place, um, I'm probably not in as good a shape as I thought I was because you climb and climb and climb. And it's like 90 degrees when we were there. Got to the top of the hill. I was just really thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And about that time, gunfire started. I thought, oh. You know, now normally, I probably would have really been fearful. We were walking down the side of this hill with a, uh, the hill right here, just a narrow path. And we hear all this gunfire. And I think, you know, we're, we're sitting targets. I mean, we... Have you ever seen the, the, at the circus or at the fair where they have that bear that goes like this and they shoot him and he goes like this? And <laughs> that's, all I, that's what I thought about. I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to have target practice. And there's a whole bunch of us, you know. And none of us are like 16. One girl was with us, was 16. She could probably outrun them. But, you know, the rest of us, we were still panting from the coming up out of the hole. And so, but I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid. I was aware of my surroundings. But I was not afraid. Uh, the very end of the trip, and some of you heard me tell this, when we were on the bus on our way to a, a city, everybody was going to go on to the airport, and uh, four of us got dropped off. 
Sharon and myself, Pastor Sharon and myself, and I guess it was, there were three of them that came with us to support us in this church, and they said, you're going to be picked up right here. They took our suitcase off that we had to have and uh, said, we'll see you at the airport at 9 o'clock. They'll bring you. And uh, on the way there, they were talking about how they had shot rockets where I was going that night. But they said, as we got off, don't be concerned. If there's an attack, they'll take you to the bomb shelter. I didn't sign up for that. This is supposed to be a nice tour. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to preach in this church, and everything's going to be fine. It's Friday night. It's Shabbat. It's the Sabbath. I mean, we don't shoot people on the Sabbath. I mean, that just doesn't go on. But, you know, I, honestly, I was aware of it, but I was never afraid. We went right in there, did what we did, sang songs about expecting a miracle, and got on the bus and rode to the airport and left Israel. Those people live like that all the time. And someone, while we were there, was sharing with us, uh, a man from uh, actually Bethlehem who has a ministry there. How many times he's been shot at, uh, his brother was killed. He still is preaching the gospel without fear. Everybody say, without fear. And the prime minister said, we will not allow what's going on around us to change our lives. We live with peace. Shalom. And, uh, and that's the way they live. Uh, the man that was in Bethlehem said, you know, they would go, uh, the Muslims would do their chanting of prayers at, at certain times of the day, and, and it would happen during their church service. So he just built a tall pole, pole put up mic uh, sound equipment all around it, and he just preached the whole time they were chanting. He was preaching over the top of it to the whole, I mean, to every, everything around him. And he was threatened, but he was at peace. Everybody say peace. Now, that's the peace that I believe Jesus came to bring us. And uh, I was looking <coughs> in this um, Names of God by Lester Summerall. And the first place that in the Bible it talks about the God of peace is with Gideon. Uh, and, and I just think it's interesting. God had asked Gideon uh, and, and was going to put him in a position where he would have to win battles. But at that point, when God came to him, he was hiding in a wine press. And, and you know the story because he said, oh, man of mighty valor. And, of course, he didn't see himself that way. But, but as it progressed, I'm going to just read a little bit of it. But as it progressed, I, the thing that he saw God as and the thing that he worshiped God as was Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. When he's about to go into battle, I would have been looking for Jehovah the warrior. Uh, you know, that, I mean, that's who I would have been called, the one that wins the battles. But he, he worshiped him as the God of peace. And uh, when I looked that up in the Bible and, and was really studying it, it says, now Gideon perceived that this was the angel that had come and, and talked with him. The angel had said to him, um, do not depart from here. Oh, no, this is, let me, surely, let's, I want to start. Let me start here in 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. This is after he's told him that he's a mighty man of valor. He has no might at this time. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Benedites. Have I not sent you? And so as, as he responds, uh, this, is, this is what he says. If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that this is you who talks with me. 
Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. The angel said, I'll wait. So now Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. Verse 22. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, peace. Everybody say, peace. Peace be with you. Do not fear. The ultimate fear, he said, you shall not die. The ultimate fear of everyone is that you'll die. But what he's saying is, peace, do not fear, you're not going to die. And then it says, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day, or Jehovah Shalom, to this day it, sh- it is still in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And now it came to pass, now this is the part I want to read to you. Now he's only been told, I'll be with you. You will not die. Do not fear. Peace. Everybody say peace. And this is the first thing the Lord tells him to do. Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. Tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. His father was worshiping false gods. His father is worshiping false gods. Now, this he's been hiding in a wine press. This isn't like he's went to Bible school. We don't have a two-year intermission here. While he goes to Bible school and learns who God is. All he is, is the God of peace. The God of peace. Shalom. And so it says, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Now this is serious because this is who they're worshiping. And and they're worshiping the devil. Everybody say the devil, basically. And, and build an altar. In other words, tear that one down and build an altar to the Lord your God. On top of this rock in the proper arrangement, take the second bowl, offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. In other words, (laughs) take the wood of that image, sacrifice that, burn that up. And then it says, and build the altar that God has told you to build. So Gideon, now listen, this is what he did. He took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But... Because he feared his father's household. Everybody say, don't be afraid of your relatives. This is real. (laughs) Some of you had some people around you that scare you. I've had that. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too, much to do it in the day, too much to do it in the day, he did it by night. But everybody say, he did it. Sir, he's talking to Chris. (laughs) She didn't understand me. Turn her off. Okay. So, everybody say, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Joyce Meyer preached the whole message on that. Do it afraid. But he uh, do it in the night if you have to. Do it undercover, but do what God says. Well, why would he say to him, this isn't even the battle that he's going to fight and win. Why did he, Why is the first thing he says to him is, Take down that altar that your dad is worshiping. Why does he say that? Because he had to say, you're first, God, above everything. Above everything. Everybody say, above everything. You will not have peace. I will not have peace unless God is the God of everything to you. Amen? He has to be first. 
And he had to tear, not only tear down what his dad believed in, but he had to put up what he believed in. Are you getting this this morning? When Jesus came, he gave us the ability to overcome anything that the enemy is doing. The only way for Gideon to go into that battle. Now, yes, he had to go through the fleeces. Yes, he had to go through the whittling down of the numbers of people who went with him. But the first thing he had to do was stand up for the Lord. And he had to stand up in a position where it's the most difficult, and that's with family. Or people who have an influence in our lives to a degree that we do not want them to uh, put, a, put a wall between them and us. We don't want to be in that position. But the real way to get the family free is to build the right altar. Everybody say, build the right altar. <laughs> build the right altar. Then it says, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down. And the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bowl was being offered on the altar which had been built. In other words, overnight the worship was changing from the devil to the Lord. Just because of Gideon. Just because of Gideon. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash has done this thing. Now, all the years that I've read Gideon, God has never pointed this out to me like he pointed this out to me right now. I mean, I've read this, but, you know, I'm always thinking on the part that says, you know, he did the fleeces, and, you know, God will always show himself strong for us, or because he whittled down the army to nobody. But this, this had to be number one, because it's the first thing God did after he recognized that Gideon was going to be the man but Gideon had been told who he was, but now Gideon had to say, I believe you are who you say you are. And so here's, here's the real conflict. And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring your son that he may die. Now listen, what did God tell him? That's what God said, didn't he? But they're, they're going to kill him because this is death for him to tear down the worship of the enemy and the one his father worshiped. Uh, bring your son out because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. He will die. But Joash said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? In other words, would you stand up for the devil? Would you, would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. In other words, Gideon stood up and said, this, this is the way it's going to be. From that point on, from that point on, therefore, on that day, he called him Jerub Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down this altar. That's what they said about him. Then all the Midnites and Amalite, Amalekites, the people of these gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, once he had defended and said who God was, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He blew the trumpet and the Asbizites, however you say that, Asbizites, gathered behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. 
When you stand up for God, some people will leave, but God will send other people. You will not die. That's the real key to this message. You will not die because the God of peace has you, and you do not need to fear. Everybody say, I do not need to fear. Um, years ago, when I first went to Tulsa by myself with my kids, um, you know, I had to leave my whole family, and I'm very close to my family, but God said to me, you, you will never be okay until you leave your family. Now, I'm not, I'm not preaching this message today for everybody to say, we're not having Christmas <laughs> at my house because I've done left the family. <laughs> I'm not, that's not the message. You don't have to leave people physically, but you do have to make a decision that no matter what they're doing, and worship isn't always an altar to the devil, but there are people who are doing things that are around us that are doing things that we're not supposed to participate in. How many of you know that's true? And when that happens, if you, don't, if you do not separate from that situation, if God tells you to separate, now I'm not saying just run out and separate from people, but we are living in a day where there will be a separation. And there will be no peace where there's evil and good trying to abide together. There's warfare. Remember we said that last week. There will be war. Good and evil cannot. They will collide against each other. So a decision has to be made. That's the decision that Gideon had to make. Number one, he had to realize it wasn't whether his enemy was against him or people were for him. The key was he was a mighty man of valor because God was with him. And he was the God of peace. So he did not have to have fear. You know, we, we talk about in the church, faith is the opposite of fear. But really, what overcomes fear is the peace of God. What Jesus accomplished at Calvary brought peace into the world. And so when Kelly this morning said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Everybody say that's peace. That's the scripture she was reading from if you were reading it in the New King James. It says, I will give you rest. The peace of God is what God was given to us at Calvary when Jesus died. It even says so in Isaiah 53 that that peace was given to us at the time that Jesus was crucified. So when heaven opened up and brought Christ into the earth and gave him to us, the angels declared it from the beginning, peace on earth. And in the end, when he was crucified, God said, the peace that passes your understanding is now available to those who believe. Everybody say, I have peace. Now, you know, in everyday life, that's if you don't have enough money there's money coming from somewhere. That means if you don't have rest in areas where you're believing for things and you haven't seen them, that means that doesn't interfere with our peace. It may interfere sometimes and try to affect our emotions. Everybody say emotions. Gideon was emotional. If you read the beginning of that, he's in this wine press. He's crying and whining. They're taking our grain. So all we can do is just hide in this wine press. And that's the way I believe a lot of the people in the church are. You know, the, you know, they won't let us talk about Jesus. They won't let us say this. They won't let us do that. So we just hide here in our wine press. But God is saying, no, no, it's time to rise up and take down the altar of Baal and raise up the altar of God and live with peace. Everybody say peace. And uh, I think in Colossians, this is what it says. And, and I believe of many people in the body of Christ 
are at a decision time. I don't know what's going on, but many people are at a decision time. God is uh, moving people around, shifting people around. And in those seasons, you have to have wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And so I want to give you this scripture. It's Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Uh, there's so many decisions that seem like they have to be made right now due to circumstances. But the only decisions that have to be made right now are the decisions that you feel to make because you have peace. Does that make sense? Not because you're being pressured, but because we have peace. And so I know I need to make a decision. If we make a decision in pressure, we'll make a wrong decision. And so, you know, in Gideon's situation, I believe that tearing down that altar and raising up that altar put him in a position where his decisions could be ruled by peace and not by fear because he did not die and God did defend him. First um, Corinthians 4.33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Uh, I want to put up James 1.2.8. If you could put that up for me. Um, it's a day where we need to be asking for God's wisdom and not what people are telling us because the wisdom of God will bring peace. The wisdom of God for Gideon was to go in to that enemy territory and take what God told him to take. He didn't necessarily want to do that, but God encouraged him in that place. Through the wisdom of God, he moved into that place and he won the battle. My brethren counted all joy. Everybody say joy. Joy when you fall into various trials. Gideon had fallen into a horrible trial. And his emotions, everybody say his emotions, took him over until he built that altar and said, I'm standing up for the Lord. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of you know it takes patience to accomplish the things that God's calling us? Let that patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. And then the next verse is about, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Everybody say doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave in the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And then the last verse, he is a double-minded. Everybody say double-minded. Double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. There, that place where the altar was built changed Gideon from a double-minded man to a stable man. Because that's the place where he said, regardless of who my father worships, regardless of who these people worship, we will worship the Lord. And from there, he went into battle and he won. Uh, I believe we're in a battle. And James 3 says, uh, the w- where there is confusion and every evil work, there is self-seeking. Everybody say self-seeking. That means we're not seeking God. We're seeking what we want. And uh, this, this separation, I believe there's a separation coming that, that it's going to um, be difficult for people to make. Um, and, and the testing of whether we can do that is not necessarily the ultimate thing that we'll have to accomplish. 
but there is going to be a separation between good and evil. And, and it's already happening. That's why there's so much war fair going on around us because there are, there's people now standing up and saying, no, we're not, we're not going to worship that. And there's people over here standing up and saying, yes, we are going to hold on to this. But if you notice, they are the minority. The devil is always less than God. The devil never has as many on his side as God has on his side. Remember, two-thirds of the angels stayed. Only a third got thrown out. Whatever is standing against you, whatever is coming against us, Jehovah, Jehovah Sitkanu, the God who fights battles, Jehovah Jireh, the one who brings increase and provision, uh, Jehovah El Shaddai we talked about last week, the one who is more than enough, everybody say more than enough, and Jehovah Shalom are on your side, on my side. Therefore, we will win. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. That was Jesus right before he went to Calvary. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. In other words, be at peace. Neither let it be afraid. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, I thank you today for your word.